following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, <clears throat> and we'll begin in verse 11. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 2, and let's begin. <clears throat> Again, the Bible says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as against the soul having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Again, talking about Peter's, Peter's earnest and affectionate warning. Peter's earnest and affectionate warning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're thankful for the word of God. Father, for the freedom that we have to come and worship you. We pray, God, as we consider uh, this subject again tonight, Lord, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts the importance of this uh, affectionate warning. Father, Lord, help us to heed it, and God, give us the grace to obey. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Peter's earnest and affectionate warning. Here in these words, dearly beloved, I beseech you, we find uh, Peter's affectionate earnest plea for them to listen. And, you know, sometimes uh, we, uh, we as preachers preach to people wishing and hoping and praying that they would listen, knowing that at times they're not listening. And I think Peter was concerned about some of this, and he was warning his, those he loved and cared about, and for, as even uh, Paul did in 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and looking at verses 10 through 12, 1 Thessalonians 2, and verses 10 through 12. <clears throat> Here uh, uh, Paul writes, Ye are witnesses in God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we have behaved ourselves among you that believe, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth uh, his children, that you would walk worthy of God, and so forth. And if you will, uh, look with me to 2 Corinthians 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, even as uh, Peter is beseeching these brethren, uh, even Paul does something similar in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 1, many places actually, in 2 Corinthians 10 and 1, Paul, I, now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. But I beseech you that, you, that I may not be bold uh, when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against. Some which think of us as if we walked. Paul is, is beseeching these Corinthian believers. He has an earnest care for them, even as Peter does for those with whom he is writing to, those he is earnestly and affectionately warning. And we began the warning looking back to 1 Peter 2 and 11. Uh, 1 Peter 2 and 11. <clears throat> Here uh, the Bible says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. We began 
looking at this earnest and affectionate warning by the fact that it first involves their relationship to this world and the next. He speaks, they speak of, he speaks of them as strangers and pilgrims, strangers as a foreigner, one who belongs to another country, even as we Christians don't belong to this world but to the next. In Psalm 39, Psalm 39 and verses 12 and 13, Psalm 39, verses 12 and 13. Here the psalmist says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears, for I am a stranger with thee and a sojourner, as all my fathers were. He's speaking of their relationship, if you will, to this world. And uh, the next, C.S. Lewis said, A continual looking forward to the eternal world is not a form of escapism, or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are, to, uh, we are able to leave this present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. It's important that we think about what is to come. It helps us keep on keeping on for the Lord and reminds us of one of the reasons we're still here to help others to, to find themselves in the next world as, as well. In John 17, Jesus spoke of it himself. In John 17 and verse 6, John 17 and verse 6, he says, I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Looking at verse 14, I have given them the, thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. He says, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So Christ spoke of the fact that there is a relationship that Christians have to this world, and the next a relationship that we need to remember, if you will, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, <clears throat> and beginning in verse 13, Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 13. <clears throat> Here Paul, writing to the he these Hebrew believers, says this, These all died in faith, speaking of those he wrote of before, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned, but now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared, uh, if you will, for them a city. We are pilgrims, and this world is not our home. We're just passing through, and while we're passing through, we need to help uh, to bring others, prepare others to go with us, to heaven, God's heavenly kingdom. And then uh, tonight we want to talk about, secondly, that it involves that which wars against the soul. He says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as uh, uh, strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the, war, the soul. The word abstain, in a general sense, means to forbear or refrain from voluntarily, but is used chiefly to denote a restraint upon the passions or appetites 
to refrain from indulgence in them. If you will, look with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and verses 19 and 20. Acts 20, verses 19 and 20. Here Paul writes, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying away to the Jews and how I kept back nothing. That's not the... Yeah, okay. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but it showed you and have taught you public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's speaking of, if you will, um, and that's really not the reference I'm looking for. And why did I write that down? Well, anyway, it's there. If I can just remember where. (laughs) 1 Thessalonians 5 and 22. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 22. That's what I get for being my own secretary. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 22. Here the Bible says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. And then if you will, uh, looking back to um, Acts 15. I'm sorry, Acts 15. That's the reference I'm referring to. I looked at what I had written down and found out I was a little mistaken. Not much, just a little. Acts 15, and then if you will look at verse 19. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they should abstain from pollutions of idols, from fornication, from things strangled, and from blood. So he give, they're giving some directives to, new, uh, uh, to Gentile converts, but he's talking about abstaining, if you will, restraint from the passions or appetites, restraint from indulging in them, and if you will, chiefly from fleshly lust, that is, such desires and passions as the carnal, sensual appetites. Look with me to Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. Galatians 5 and 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such the like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I read this passage for this reason. We're going to look at a few, just a few examples of the lust of the flesh that often people deal with. Now, if you will, look with me to first, before we go any further, look with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 through 11. Now here the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And remember, the church at Corinth was a Greek port city. It was made up by Greeks that often were involved in much uh, ungodliness and idolatry, and often in the midst of their idolatry, there was a lot of sensual and ungodly behavior. But he says in 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, Know ye not that, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abuses themselves with mankind, (coughs) nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, 
nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God, our God. Now we write that to, we, we read that to remember this, that uh, God saves us from sin, not to sin. He saves us from sin, not to sin. First John 2 and 1 says, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, you know what, folks? We are saved eternally, but God saves us from sin, not to sin. But as Christian people, just because we're saved, we don't get a shot that, that somehow eradicates the sin nature or the problem sometimes of the lust of the flesh. And if you look back with me to Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, I want to look at just four examples of some of the, the, the lust of the flesh that war against the soul, even among Christian people. He said, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, first of all, adultery. Adultery is the violation of the marriage bed. And folks, you know, in our day, in, in our world today, there's all too much of that kind of thing going on in the world at large. And unfortunately, it is, it's found its way into our local churches, into the lives of Christian people. These are fleshly lusts that war against the soul. Now, we're talking about that which creates a conflict. Now, some people that just give themselves to it and don't really care, there's questions to whether they're genuinely saved. But any, any Christian can be tempted to sin and remembering that people get saved out of some pretty nasty messes are lifted out of some pretty deep and miry pits. And, uh, you know, remember Peter is writing to people uh, and dealing with the matter of sin. It's amazing how, how much time that Paul and Peter and other of the apostles wrote concerning the matter of sin. And now Peter, speaking in an earnest and affectionate warning, speaks of uh, the lust of the flesh, particularly as we're talking about tonight. One of the examples is adultery. In Exodus 20 and 14, uh, the Bible says, In the law of God thou shalt not commit adultery. It is sin against the law of God and a holy God. Look with me to Leviticus 18. Leviticus 18. And you know, folks, <clears throat> many in our world today treat the law of God and the God of the law of his word as if uh, it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, that, you know what, uh, the things change and, 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 and uh, nothing stays the same. Well, things do change and things don't stay the same in some respects. But God says in Malachi 3 and 6, I am the Lord, I change not. His law, his person, his character has not changed. His law and commandments have not changed. God knows what's best for man. And when it comes to the matter of adultery, God says thou shalt not commit adultery. And God hasn't changed on this or anything else. In Leviticus 18, look at verse 20. Leviticus 18 and verse 20, Moreover thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself with her. He's talking about adultery, if you will. Uh, look with me to 2 Samuel 11. 2 Samuel 11. <clears throat> and verse 1. 
2 Samuel 11 and uh, verse 1. It came to pass after the year was expired, at the, time when king, uh, at, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Reba. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Now, David is not in the thick of the battle. He's not leading his army as he should have been, but he finds himself in a worse struggle with a, with a worse battle that he's dealing with than even an actual literal war. It says that it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's home house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Now she should have had a covering over her bathing place or bathed inside. She shouldn't have been doing this and all in, in some senses she is out there as a tool of the devil. But David had a choice to make himself. The Bible says in David, uh, in verse 3, sent and inquired after the woman, and, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now that should have put the brakes on it right there. It should have. Now she, you know, he's already a married man, has several wives himself, and now he's looking at another man's wife and wanting her, lusting after her. And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. And she returned to her house, and the woman conceived and sent and told David, and said, I am with child. Now, she could have said no, but she didn't say no. David should have said, we're not going there, but he did. And folks, he lost a battle. He didn't lose the war, but he lost a battle, a spiritual battle, a, a battle with the fleshly lusts that all of us at different times deal with. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. You know, doesn't, just because we may lose a battle doesn't mean we've lost the war. But you know what? Sometimes when we lose a battle, we give up ground. We give ground, give way to the enemy. And folks, God doesn't want that to be so. And we should be careful not to let it be so. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27, you have heard... That it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in thine heart. Now you know folks, <clears throat> sometimes we imagine that adultery is just the act of adultery. God says it begins in the heart. And it comes from what we look at and that which creates an appetite, a greater appetite of lust than is is what is right for the Christian. And let me say this, one of the growing and most, uh, 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 I'm trying to think of a good word to use, the most uh, difficult uh, problems that men and at times women deal with in this world today, and I'm talking about Christian men, is the problem with pornography. Folks, that's, that's causing people to lust after other people's wives and etc. and so on, and lust after strange flesh and other things. Folks, it's a part of the warfare, it's a part of the battle, and you know what? Sometimes men are not taking it seriously enough. Christian men are not taking it seriously enough. It is a fleshly lust that wars against the soul. What about, if you will, 
in uh, Genesis, excuse me, Galatians 5 and 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, then fornication. Fornication is the incontinence or lewdness of unmarried persons, male or female, male with male or female with female. And it, it also has within the definition incontinence, that is a want of restraint of the passions or appetites, free or uncontrolled indulgence of the passions or appetites, even as of anger. Not only that, it's the want of, <clears throat> of restraint of sexual appetite or free from an illegal indulgence of lust, lewdness, use, used of either sex, but appropriately of male sex, etc. There's also the word lewdness that is a part of the definition of fornication, the un unlawful indulgence of lust, fornication, or adultery. Look at me Leviticus chapter 18 again. Leviticus 18 is a part of the law of God. God established early on with Israel these important truths in Leviticus 18. And let's begin in verse 6. Now, <clears throat> we're going to read part of a lengthy chapter, or part of a, a yeah, lengthy chapter that deals with all kinds of fornication. He says in verse Leviticus 18 and 6, None of you shall approach to, uh, to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. The nakedness of thy father, the nakedness of thy mother, thou shalt not uncover, for she is thy mother. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. Now, we're not going to read the entire passage, but as you read through, when it talks about uncovering their nakedness, he's talking about incest. You know, the Lord is very careful about how he describes and speaks of some of these kinds of fornication. He speaks, if you will, of incest. And he says also, <clears throat> reading further down, um, <clears throat> uh, verse 21, And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the uh, fire to Moloch, neither shalt thou profane the name of the Lord thy God. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind as an abomination. He's talking about homosexuality. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to devile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereunto. It is confusion. Defile not uh, ye yourselves in any of these things, for in these the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. Now he's talking about all kinds of different forms of fornication. He's talking about incest. He's talking about adultery. He's talking about fornication. He's talking about, if you will, uh, homosexuality. He's talking about uh, people that have, I hate to say this, have sex with animals. Bestiality, bestiality. And he said, people don't do this. Let me tell you something. People, you know what's amazing to me? Is that animals behave better than people when it comes to this kind of thing. Now we know that when the animals are in heat, they come in heat for a reason, for a purpose, but it's not all the time. And as far as I can tell, there is no animal that is guilty of homosexuality or anything like that. And yet people are these kinds, if you will, of lewdness, of fornication. In Matthew 15, Matthew 15, <clears throat> You know, it's sad to know that um, people are doing these kinds of things, have done. You know, this is nothing new under the sun. But, you know, sometimes we hear of strange things that are going on, and it's probably not the first time it's happened, nor will it be the last time that it's happened. In Matthew 15, looking at verse 18, 
Bible says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile them. And for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, uh, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Now let me say this, folks, that often, you know, sometimes uh, people are perverted by other people. They are affected by the behavior of other people. You know, what's sad to me is when older people take advantage of young people, lead them into and introduce them to perversion and immorality and different forms of fornication, and or they're experimenting with each other and what have you. I'm telling you something, folks. It's important that, that young people are careful about their lives. And folks, you know what's sad? I hear this, I read this somewhere uh, recently, that among older adults... There is a move toward men, toward, if you will, homosexuality. A greater move. To, and you say, wow, is that, that, that's the way it is. You know, we would think that it's only a, a problem for younger people. We're talking about people 60 years old and older. Men involved particularly in this kind of behavior. But folks, we have to be careful. You know, we make choices. And, and Peter is writing to Christian people warning them against these fleshly lusts lust that war against the soul. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. God hasn't changed on these matters. Uh, God is still against it. God would have his people not to be guilty of it. He is writing to warn God's people not to get, be guilty of it. In Romans 1 and 20, the Bible says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even as eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, to beasts and four-footed beasts, Birds four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. He's talking about the, the fact that some of this immorality is involved with the fact that men and women who are involved in this kind of behavior are involved in a kind of worship, an idolatry. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use unto that which is against nature. And likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust one toward, uh, to another, toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. It's sad to say that uh, so many that have been involved with the homosexual behavior have been involved with AIDS, now the monkeypox and what have you. And you know what? People that are, who are involved then with them, all the immorality is rampant. You know, it's become so much a part of, of what some would call normal culture today. When in times past, people were ashamed to behave in such a manner, to, to be involved in this kind of thing. And yet, now we have even Christian people, or at least professing Christian people, who are allowing the lust of their flesh to, to war against their soul, creating a conflict, a greater conflict 
than they ought to allow. In 1 Corinthians 6 and 15, 1 Corinthians 6 and 15, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is, is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. It's a sin not only against our own spirit but against our bodies. And it's sad that the disease is becoming more rampant. My wife was telling me recently about a, a, a new disease that is a, a disease, it's a, it's a STD that now seems to be running rampant among those that are involved with either adultery, fornication, and the like. A disease that, uh, that sometimes can lay dormant for years in the person's body and then come out and manifest itself in different kinds of forms and lead to horrible deaths. And there is no, listen, there is no treatment for it. There's no antibiotic. They're, they're absolutely antibiotic resistant. And yet young people are living haphazard, careless lives, not realizing or thinking about their, the fact that there are consequences for that kind of behavior. And sometimes Christians have bought into that kind of nonsense. You know, folks, what we don't want to see is people destroy themselves, destroy their bodies and their lives, their testimony for Christ. In 1 Corinthians 7 and 1, now concerning the things wherever you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. You know, folks, God intended for uh, sexual appetites and desires to be fulfilled in the marriage bed, not to be fulfilled in a bed with someone else that does not belong to you. Not only that, he says, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness. This speaks of lewdness, incontinence. You know, sometimes I think of the word incontinence, and I think as I get older, I hope I don't become incontinent. <laughs> Amen. We won't go into descriptions of that, but it's, it's, you know, you lose control of things. And it speaks of a lewdness, a desire to not have any control. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> and let's begin in verse <clears throat> 1, if you will. Colossians 3 and 1. <clears throat> Bible says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify. The word mortify means put to death. Therefore, your members which are upon the earth. What members? Fornication. The things that go on in the, in the members, if you will, of our body. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For the which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But he says here, but now ye also put off all these and so forth. But the fact is, God wants us to put off that old behavior. And let me say this. 
I heard someone say recently that um, they know of someone who has children and they have told their children everything about sex and their young children, anywhere from eight to 10, 10 years old. But they haven't given them instruction concerning the right and wrong of it. You know what they're going to do? They're going to plunge their own children without proper uh, moral direction. They've given them too much information too soon. Without proper moral direction, they're going to plunge their children probably into a life of terrible immorality, the consequences of which are terrible to imagine. And more and more people, more and more people are coming up with that idea as being the answer for just saying we're going to tell them like it is and let them do what they're going to do. Folks, you know what? We have to love our kids. You know what is our responsibility as parents? To love them and teach them what is right and what is wrong in those areas. The Bible says a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Folks, we need to be involved with teaching our children that which is right. You know, you can't leave it up to them to find out what's right in this ungodly world without direction. You just can't. God is getting, you know what folks, God is giving us as his children in Peter's warning direction concerning, if you will, the lust that war against our soul. God, and we're looking at some of, ex- some of just a few of the examples to help us remember how important this is. He says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness is the last one. This word means looseness, irregular indulgence of animal desires, wantonness, lustfulness. Look with me at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. And if you will look at verse 17 through 19. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. You know, it's a, it's a sad thing when the world seems to rush after lust with a kind of greediness. You know, it's amazing the kind of things that people, the way people behave. And he talks about lasciviousness, a looseness. God would not have us Behave in that manner. First Peter chapter four. First Peter chapter four. <clears throat> and folks, any one of us can be be guilty of it. Find ourselves caught up and entangled, and given over. Maybe lose a battle to the lust that war against our soul. In First Peter chapter four, and let's begin in verse one. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the lust of the flesh, to the will of uh, to the uh, in his, <laughs> live the rest of his time 
in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. <clears throat> For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. <clears throat> so we're talking about, if you will, leaving off and being careful of lasciviousness. It's sad that sometimes Christian people you know, folks, don't think, for, don't think for a moment that the sin of this world can't affect you and I. That's why we need to, to, to be sober, be vigilant. We need to be careful. The Bible says to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We need to be serious about and careful with our walk in this world. We, there is a warfare, the war against the soul. That is the things... These things bring a battle, a conflict to the heart and the soul of the Christian, and blunts the moral sense, pollutes the memory, defiles the imagination, hardens the heart, and sends a withering influence through all the faculties of the soul. It's a serious matter, and, and Peter understands it. You know, Peter was a man of like passions as you and I are, like passions, which means that he could have given himself over to these things, even as Paul or what have you. In Romans 7, look there with me, Romans 7, Paul talked about the conflict as a Christian. He says in Romans 7 and 14, For we know the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do I allow, I allow not, for what I <clears throat> would I, uh, that I do not, but what I hate that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in, that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth with me in me. I find that a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity of the law of sin which is in my members. You know, Paul talked about a warfare. He understood the conflict. Galatians 5 again. Galatians 5. And Peter is trying to warn these believers concerning these same things. In Galatians 5 and 6, 16, this I say then, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Talking about being led, be, allow ourselves to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Not to be under the control, uh, you know, we talk about uh, uh, giving ourselves over to the control of alcohol, drugs, and what have you. You know, people give themselves over to the control of their, the lusts that war against uh, the soul, if you will. <clears throat> Someone once said, I am constantly amazed when I talk to young people uh, to learn how much they know about sex and how little they know about soap. <laughs> I'm amazed. Uh, someone else said, there is a little praise, there is little praise 
for consistently sexually controlled single. Too often is mixed with granulated pity or powdered condescension. Ironically, while discipline and self-control are encouraged and, encouraged and admired in scholarship, in athletics, in music, and ministry, their absence is strangely excused in sexual matters. The secular myth has inf infiltrated Christian conscience. Our sexual urges are overpowering and irresistible. Are they irresistible? No. But you know what? Sometimes we buy into this idea that our passions, we, that we can't control them. Well, not without the grace and help of God. Chastity is, re, is a requisite of Christian singles, singleness. Furthermore, chastity is possible. There will always be somebody to suggest that such thinking is legalistic, unreasonable, and unlikely to succeed. My reply can only be when it is bigger than I am, so is God. When it is bigger than I am, so is God. C.S. Lewis said there's no getting away from it. The old Christian rule is either, either marriage with complete faithfulness to your partner or else total abstinence. Chastity is the most unpopular of our Christian virtues. Even among Christian young people. Chastity. You know, it's sad, folks, when Christian young people who have grown up in Christian homes, do not go into marriage chaste or virgin. You know, there is this mindset among the world that says, yeah, it's okay, it's masculine, it's macho for a man to lose his virginity. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. It's almost expected. We expect more uh, chastity from women. But even that seems to be a thing of the past. Almost as if it's, it's expected now for a young woman to give up her virtue as soon as possible. Folks, what a sad thing. What a sad philosophy. What a sad attitude that's finding its way into the lives of professing Christian people. And God hasn't changed. God has always been right. And when we disobey God, we're always wrong. And we'll often bear, always bear the consequences. In James 4, look with me there. James 4. <clears throat> and let's begin in verse 1. James 4, let's begin in verse 1. Here James writes, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. He's talking to Christian people. He says, then ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be the friend, a friend of the world is, is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Now, this is talking about other things, but it can also be talking about the lust of the flesh. We're not going to have victory. We can. You know, the Lord wouldn't say to us, abstain, if he couldn't give us the grace to abstain. If he commands us to do something, he can give us the grace to obey the command. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You know, folks, but for the grace of God, we could never, listen, we could never have any victory over anything, any kind of sin, even the lust which war against our soul. And we need to be serious about the warfare. We're in a battle. And you know what, folks? <clears throat> you may lose the battle, a battle, from time to time. It doesn't mean you've lost the war because we, we are conquerors, more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen? Eternal conquerors through him that loved us. And yet sometimes along the way, we may lose some battles. And folks, we don't want to lose any battles if we can do it. And sometimes people imagine, well, you know, guys may say, well, I can, I can get away with this, you know. No one's going to see me be involved with pornography. You know, often people, young men and men who get involved with pornography, eventually come to a place where they act out their fantasies and their lusts which war against the soul. You know, folks, this is a very serious matter. And, and Peter is, is giving an a, a earnest and affectionate warning. Looking back to 1 Peter 2, we'll talk about the last thing next time. He says in verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. You know, folks, we, we need to remember our relationship. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our home is heaven. We're just passing through. And while we're passing through, let us be careful as we're involved in spiritual warfare that we don't become a casualty. That we don't lose more battles than we win. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.